the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home. It's the almost Christmas edition. It's the 20th of December. It's the almost Christmas mm-hmm. edition. You can taste it, can't you? Of The Ride Home, I'm yep. telling you. I, I was up until 1 in the morning. Whoa. You know, I was going to bed early. Right. You know, for the last month. But you broke your fast. I broke my fast because I have a lot to do. Yeah. I was baking, truly baking, until 1 in the morning. Mm. Baking and eating? There was some eating. Mm-hmm. I mean, there has to be. Someone offered me a uh, like a treat when I was at the uh, hair salon this morning, and I was like, <laughs> you know, and I got to be honest, <laughs> I, I'm pretty yeah. sure I was just eating treats like yeah. five hours ago. Yeah. So my wife has been doing the same thing you have, and she came home, and she has like dough ready to go. Yeah, too. right. And she was like, would you like yourself a hot chocolate chip cookie? And so literally... Like 10 minutes later, there was a plate of hot chocolate chip cookies sitting before me. Very nice. What's better than a cookie? Nothing. Seriously. Hot out of the oven? I would just take a cookie over, and I mean, I love cake, too. That's a close second. But cookies, that, that's really great. Hot out of the oven. Yeah. You know, mm. Fabulous. Really good. Yeah, so it's the 20th. Yes. How are things? You feel like uh, you're under control here? I don't feel bad. Okay. I mean, I can. There, I still have several things that I need to accomplish. Before. Twenty-seven. Eight. Twenty-eight people mm-hmm. at your house on Christmas Day. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. <laughs> I mean, rightfully so. If it was me, I would be in a state of panic. Yeah. I have seventeen coming. Okay, that's still a lot. It's it's fine. That's still a lot. Yeah. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not 28. No, it's not. That's a whole other Here's layer. the thing. I've got seating at the table for uh, 14. Okay. Beyond that, we've got sofa, floor, and the folding chairs that I rented this morning. How many kids? Five. There were oh, going to be five. eight. Mm. There were going to be eight, but three can't join us. So okay. it'll just be, just be five. So, I mean, the kids, you kind of left to your own devices, right? Well, I want them. I've, I've got, like, kids' activities planned out. Okay, good. Is there a game? There is a game. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of good time. Yeah, I can Come. tell you about the game later. All right. I'm curious. Five days away from Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're still here. Yes, and we happy are. That you are That's as well. Right. And we've got a great show ahead. We do. In the five o'clock hour, have yourself a less scary little Christmas. Mm-hmm. The looming new year can be anxiety inducing. But there's there's got to be another way to look at it. I mean, so we're going to turn to Ronnie Martin for that in the five okay. o'clock hour. Also, uh, top things you're doing that annoy your coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a year in review thing? Yeah, well, it's a it's a personal post that I wrote. No, <laughs> kidding. Okay, good. In the four o'clock hour, um, 
we're going to talk about being single and alone on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. which is the case for millions of, of Americans and tons of people in your orbit and at your church. Yep. So Christmas is not just about families. So we're going to talk uh, to our good friend Anna Broadway about that. And also seven easy food goals to improve your health without dieting. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is not eat cookie batter at 1 a.m. No, that's all sounds that's like fake news. That's just several. Right? That's just several things coming up. All on right. Today's Speaking right of news, let's take a look at the news as okay. we always do, Kath. Uh, yesterday we made a little detour. Today we're back on track. We're back on track. Without further ado, here is the top four at four. It is Wednesday, December twentieth, twenty twenty-three. Number one. Paul Whelan, an American who's been imprisoned in Russia for five years on espionage charges that both he and the U.S. government dismiss as baseless, said it is unfathomable that the Biden administration has, quote, left him behind, while other Americans have been freed in prisoner swaps. Whelan told CBS News partner network BBC News in a phone interview from prison that he feared he would be left out of any prisoner swaps with Russia. Quote, this is what Paul said, I know the U.S. has come up with all sorts of proposals, but it's not what the Russians are after. So they keep going back and forth. The only problem is it's my life that's draining away while they do this. Horrible. Can you imagine the despair? Oh that poor my man? gosh. Earlier this month, the U.S. State Department said Russia had rejected a new and significant proposal to secure Whelan's release, along with Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, who was arrested in Russia on unsubstantiated espionage charges. Russians. Read more about that from CBS <laughs> News. Oh. Number two, Hamas's political leaders, where do you get a load of this, John, have been talking with their Palestinian rivals about how to govern Gaza and the West Bank after the war ends, a negotiation that could put them at odds with the militant wing fighting Israel. The talks are the clearest sign that Hamas's political faction is starting to think about what's going on after the war, but they're disagreeing with Hamas's military faction. So two sides, two sides. How is Hamas still a thing? I know. Hussam Badran, member of Hamas, told The Wall Street Journal during an interview, and it's an exclusive today that I really encourage you to read. He said, are you ready for this? We want the war to end. That's what he said. Yeah, because they're getting their butt kicked. It's a sharp turn from October 7th when Hamas killed more than 1,200 Israelis. Uh, Now there's been, of course, two months of war and about 20,000 Palestinian casualties in Gaza. Uh, But they say, quote, we want to establish a Palestinian state in Gaza, the West Bank, and Jerusalem. I mean, I... There are a lot of details you can read in today's journal. It just made me think, well, thank goodness that there's some infighting going on in Hamas because it's going to weaken the overall organization. But good grief. I can't believe they still, still chaos. Number three, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled yesterday that former President Trump is disqualified from holding the presidency under the Constitution's so-called insurrection clause and ordered the Secretary of State to exclude his name from the presidential primary ballot. It's a landmark decision from a divided Supreme Court uh, in Colorado. The vote was 4-3. Um, they invoked the Civil War era provision that uh, has not been invoked before. It marks the first time that a court has found him to be ineligible to return to the White House. This is all because of his conduct surrounding the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. No no court has ever determined that a candidate is disqualified under that clause. And the ruling also doesn't apply outside of Colorado. Anyway, uh, lawsuits challenging Trump's candidacy have been filed in more than 25 states. Did you know that? No, I did not. I didn't either, ahead of the election. Although the Colorado case brought on behalf of six voters marks the most immediate threat to his campaign. 
Trump, of course, will appeal the decision to the U.S. Supreme Court. Can you imagine that story? The Supreme Court, they're like, really? really? We have to Here decide this? Again. That's from CBS News. And number four, Chick-fil-A could soon open on Sundays in what? some locations. What? And that's your top four. Wait, 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 wait. That's always been their, like, claim to fame, right? Okay, you ready for this story? Tell me. The New York State Assembly has put forth a new bill known as the Rest Stop Restaurant Act. Oh, 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 they're forcing it. And it's going to require food and beverage companies to provide services along the thruway and at the Port Authority in New York and New Jersey seven days a week. Interesting. So if Chick-fil-A has kiosks or restaurants there, they must abide by this law. Yeah, this is what they said. While there's nothing objectionable about a fast food restaurant closing on any particular day, service areas dedicated to travelers is an inappropriate location for such a restaurant. Publicly owned service areas should use their space to maximally benefit the public. They knew yep. whenever they brought Chick-fil-A in. Yep. I'm sure these were the terms of the they, conditions. I think they like putting the screws to them. Of course they do. Right. And so they said allowing for retail space to go unused one seventh of the week or more is a disservice and an unnecessary inconvenience to travelers. Unnecessary. So we're going to legislate morality uh-huh. and religiosity. They said, you know, we get hungry when we're traveling. We may not like our brother-in-law or sister-in-law's cooking, and we want to get a snack on Christmas Eve. To find one of the restaurants closed on the thruway is just not in the public good. I hope Chick-fil-A just I says hope thanks, they but no thanks. Me too. Right. Me. Pulls away. Me too. All right. That's a quick look at the news. We're take a break right now. Come back as we do. We're going to talk about single and alone on Christmas Day. Anna Broadway is with us. We're at this, uh, Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's Word FM. And so here it is. December 20th. The plans have been made, and I believe in most homes, of course, in action. Mm-hmm. Christmas is upon us. Monday is not that far away. Actually, Sunday is Christmas Eve. But what if you're single and alone on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Anna Broadway's with us. She's been a guest of ours over the years, the author of Sexless in the City, a memoir of reluctant chastity. She's also working on a, a book on her singleness research, but here today to talk to us about the holidays and singleness. Hi, Anna. Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be back again. So, Anna, um, Christmas is full of so many terrific things. Um, also, it's a time of real hardship. I went through uh, several Christmases uh, with, with my dad in the hospital, and it's just a really painful time. So so we all, you yeah. know, I was just talking to a friend this morning who's, you know, going through a really terrible season. Uh, and so you can't just put a smile on yeah. it on Christmas. Um, and that's that's a fake way to live anyway, um, is that we're just pretending. <laughs> Uh, but but those are, you know, illnesses that pop up, accidents, loss of job. Those are all difficult mm-hmm. things. Um, but what about just a different living situation? And um, and so you have written so beautifully on singleness and in the process of putting together a terrific book that I cannot wait to read. Um, talk about how you look at this now and maybe how you have in the past years. Yeah, well, honestly, I think I was a little bit blind to some of the challenges of the holiday in previous years because I lived in a place and was financially in a place where it was easier to be with family or lacking that I was close to people from my church. And that was a church community where, you know, I remember some friends used to have a really big Christmas Eve dinner for lots of their friends. But then two years ago, I found myself alone on Christmas for the first time here in Anchorage, and that was really hard. 
And so I have come to realize, you know, at that time I was actually living with someone, but she was away visiting her family. And, and so I've come to realize how for certain singles and, you know, maybe especially older singles, sometimes Christmas can be really hard if we fall into thinking, this is a time when I gather with my blood relatives and not remembering the whole point of Christmas is that Jesus comes and completely remakes community through his death on the cross and the work of the Holy Spirit after he returns to heaven. So, Anna, go into this a little further. You wake up alone on Christmas morning and the calendar is empty. There's no one and nothing scheduled. Uh, That must have been a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, we did have a family call, but I realized that there were just other traditions and something else I realized in the course of working on my next book, Solo Planet, is how important food is in connecting us. Oh, yeah. I had a professor once who said that there are two experiences in life that use all of our senses. One is sex and one is food. Food is the only thing that singles have to Mm. fully connect, connect within all of our humanity with both God and each other. And so I think part of feeling alone on Christmas was I didn't have anyone to eat with. Huh. I can imagine that because um, planning for my family holiday in the next couple of days is pretty much all about food. Yeah, and and, and where to, where people are go- <laughs> and where people are going to sit. That's all it is. A mountain of food. yeah, but food is such a huge thing. Okay, so how how have you managed that? You know, coming off of that year, I realized I needed to be more proactive. So last year, I was in the same household, but my housemate was back and actually had her sister visiting. But I also made sure to invite a widower to our Christmas dinner because he would have been alone. And then this year, I actually had to kind of invite myself to some friends for Thanksgiving and then... A few weeks ago, we were talking about Christmas, and I mentioned that I didn't know what I was doing, and they very kindly invited me to come back. So I think, you know, sometimes you need to let people know that you're alone, and maybe you would like a place to go. And that can be humbling, but I think, you know, if they don't know, I think there are actually plenty of people who would be happy to have a single person over. It just might not be on your radar. And sometimes, as a single person, maybe you need to host other singles who don't have a place to go. Right. And it's not too late. And of course, if you're... No, absolutely not. Um, You know, I think think there were some churches that did a really good job during the pandemic of calling all of their parishioners and checking in and, you know, just generally seeing, like, how are you doing? But I honestly think some... I think some of these holidays could be a good opportunity to do that, too. You know, like, okay, who's going to be alone? And my... Maybe they can't get out, but maybe people could come and bring them a plate, or maybe they would like to have people come and sing Christmas carols, or maybe they could get out, and they're just uncomfortable asking, but would love to be invited somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
that's really interesting. Uh, at our church, Anna, we did this as well. We, you know, um, I was an elder at that time during the pandemic, and we were all assigned Ooh. X number of families and stayed in regular yeah. contact with people. Yeah. And maybe like the first, you know, round of phone calls were, you know, a little awkward maybe, but just, hey, just checking in, right. see how things are. But after a while, it was cool. I mean, and it redefined my relationship with more yeah, than several too. people in the church. Me too. So that's a really good thing. Okay, so talk about y- yourself. Now, there you are in Anchorage, Alaska, a fairly new resident of Anchorage, so your social circle is still small. What about your church um, and church life and attendance? Um, are you connected there? Yeah, actually, I think in the four years I've been here, it's pretty amazing how deeply connected God has allowed me cool. to become. But part of that is because I've... I've reached out to a lot of different opportunities to connect, I guess, you know, so like I play pickleball with people a lot of Tuesdays. I practice with the choir of one church. I sometimes help out with a monthly meal for a shelter for uh, mothers and children here in town. So I'm really fortunate that God has given me a lot of ways to connect with people. And it's actually a couple from choir that I'll be spending Christmas dinner with. And I do think for people listening to this conversation who are married, you know, what my friends from choir are doing is they're having, I think, a more family traditional celebration in the morning. But then in the evening, they're having me and some other friends over for dinner. So that could be something else to think about. I know of another couple with adult children, and they do some kind of breakfast with Swedish pancakes, I think, that's open to various people. And then they have like maybe a family gift opening time that's separate. So there might be ways to have like some kind of family tradition, but also some kind of gathering that you could open up to the family of God in your life, whoever that might be right now. So, and I, I hear you talking. To me, there's a, a strong measure of boldness in yourself that, you know, you kind of chuckled when you said, <laughs> well, you know, you said, well, I kind of invited myself, but, you know, you put yourself out there and, you know, you've created a community here. I mean, we live in an era now where, for better or worse, if you're not bold, it's it's easy and sadly, you know, much more able to be alone and your world sitting behind your keyboard yeah yeah i think that's true i think i also felt more comfortable being bold because when i had a gap in my housing a couple of years ago this couple had offered to let me house it for them while they were away for a couple of weeks and then because that happened to be shortly before thanksgiving i had asked at the time if there was any way that i could extend a few days even once they were back so that I had a place to go for Thanksgiving. And they were, you know, very gracious about that. Um, so I think partly I felt a bit more comfortable. I mean, it was still awkward. There was still that, like, humbling sense. I mean, honestly, I even asked if I could do laundry while I was there because it cost me $5 a load now, and yeah, I'm sure. in a pretty tight place financially. And, of course, you know, she said yes, and was like, oh, I should have you come over more often. Um so it's definitely humbling, and there's a real vulnerability about it. But I also think that some of Jesus' parables describe people being bold yeah. about coming to others in a place of need. of need. And I think there's a difference whether it's demanding or humble, you know? Yeah. Um, Jesus 
asks, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, Lord, I want to see. I mean, it was like... That's, yeah. what, that's what I want. It's bold. That's what I want. It is bold. Um, we're talking to Anna Broadway. Uh, Anna's uh, the author of Sexless in the City, a memoir of reluctant chastity. And we're going to talk in just a couple minutes about a book that Solo she's currently, uh, a book that she's working. In fact, why, why delay? Yeah. I mean, our time's getting small. So tell, <laughs> so tell us about the book yeah. and where we are with it. Yeah. So Solo Planet comes out in March. I think your readers will find it a very different book on singleness from anything they've come across. And I'm really hoping that lots of married people will read this with friends of theirs who are single, because it's not just about sex and dating, and it's not just about singleness in your 20s or 30s. The book is organized around different aspects of life that we all deal with. So there's a chapter on celebrations and leisure. There's a chapter on meals and food. There's a chapter on housing. And so I've really written in a way that will hopefully allow people to talk in their communities and their circles of friends with people who are in a different life season. Like, what does it look like for singles and married people to become more integrated in our relationships and to share more of life and really embody life as God intends the church to share it? That's good. Anna, thanks. I mean, this conversation opened my eyes here. Mm -hmm. I I really did. So I appreciate, you know, your boldness. And I believe that, you know, me and and our audience, they have to be bold as well to come back and reciprocate. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. And if you allow yourself, your Christmas or whatever holidays can be really interactive. You can end up with people around your table that you would never have expected. And it's such a wonderful thing. Excellent. Yeah. And you could end up like hosting somebody like Anna, which I mean, how much fun would that be? Solo Planet. Anna Anna Broadway's book that she's already written, Sexless in the City, a memoir of reluctant chastity. We need to take a break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some American brands that you're familiar with. The only thing is they might not be American. That's next on The Ride Home. Well, the news of U.S. Steel selling itself to a Japanese steel company sent shockwaves through western Pennsylvania. Uh, But this is not the first instance of an international company snapping up a classic American brand. There are many appliances we use or products that we use that we think this is America. But the fact of the matter is, in this multi-conglomerate world, uh, few things are all-American. Okay. Am I going to be shocked by some of these? Some of these you will be. General Electric. Perhaps no company better embodies America's trailblazing spirit than GE. The company, GE, was founded by Thomas Edison. Edison. But Americans with a GE microwave or washing machine in their homes may not realize that GE's century-old appliance division is owned by Harrier Group based in China. Really? I didn't know that. Harrier brought the division from GE for $5.6 billion in 2016. Harrier is itself a major appliance seller in the United States with its own products offered at U.S. stores such as Home Depot and Lowe's. Budweiser. The king of beers? Don't tell me that that's not an American company. Since 1879, Budweiser has been producing beer, but Budweiser's parent company was acquired by European alcohol conglomerate InBev in 2008, and InBev formed a new company in Belgium, so Budweiser is not an American brand. Burger King, the current home of the Whopper, or the Whopper. <laughs> is in Toronto, <laughs> Canada, kind of. 
The fast food chain founded in Miami in 1954 has been part of a Canadian conglomerate, Restaurant Brands International, for nearly a decade. It was formed in 2014. However, um, they also have locations around the world as well. China is a part of this. So it's Canadian and Chinese with Burger King. 7-Eleven. With its classic Slurpee and Big Gulp. You're blowing my mind 13,700 stores operate in the U.S., making it one of the largest convenience store chains in the country. But there are more 7-Eleven stores in Japan, according to the company. That's because the corner store, founded in 1927 in Texas, is is owned by Seven and Holdings, a Japanese retailer based in Japan. Come on! Trader Joe's. California-based Trader oh, Joe's brand this itself, is, this is starting to hurt. A national chain of neighborhood grocery stores is owned by the same German family, of course, that owns Aldi. Oh, okay. Right, Aldi, okay. Jeep, Chrysler, and Dodge cars. The Jeep Wrangler first introduced in 1986 at the Chicago Auto Show. Uh, they have been uh, belonging to European countries since 2014, since Fiat bought them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that one. Uh, I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. I'm reading from CNN Business. This is just the age we live yeah, in. Yeah, it is just right? the age we live in. We're not, it's not necessarily raising the American flag or waving the American flag. People are just looking for profit. Mm-hmm. And so companies are available like U.S. Steel. I mean, U.S. Steel, whenever this takeover first happened, the U.S. Steel board of directors falsely said, we will not sell ourselves to a foreign company. We will stay an American company. But Nippon Steel offered double the acquisition price that was first offered. So people are not looking necessarily to America. They're looking to please their shareholders. Right. Right. The bottom line is, let's make as much money as possible, and everybody else, you take care of yourself. And the problem with that is because we're so interconnected that if when there's a failure, an economic failure somewhere, it can easily ripple into all the places. We saw it with semiconductors yeah, we during did, the pandemic. Right, right. Okay, so the, the big news is that John Fetterman, mm-hmm. who came into office, we believe, as a gigantic progressive, has shown a stripe of a different color. Yeah, all of a sudden he's saying that U.S. Steel can't be sold. He's he's going to protest it. Well, there Can't are, be sold to a Japanese company. Others in D.C. are also saying the same thing. Yeah. I got an email today from uh, Chris DeLuzio who says he and uh, Casey mm-hmm. and, uh, and John Fetterman are going to block the U.S. steel acquisition. I don't know how you do that. I was going to say, is that uh, possible even? Well, I guess we'll find out, right? But they're not going to let it go without a fight. I mean, Fetterman's backyard, literally his backyard, is at the Claritin Coatworks. So stay tuned, I guess. What is your relationship like with your bathroom scale? Oh. Oh. I, I only do a weigh-in once a week. Once a week. I think that's... Friday morning is... Is, is weigh-in day. Is weigh-in day. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I stopped for the holiday season. Okay. That's exactly... I'm glad you brought this up, mm-hmm. because I got on the scale yesterday. Okay. And... And for better or worse, I feel as though, okay, all right, you know. You're holding steady? Kind of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really, I'm not like off the charts right. here. Okay. But I did say to myself as I got off, I'll see you next year. Yes, right. 
because there's no there's no way in on there's Friday. There's no point. I know, why why am I doing that? And I'm not going to put up this gate and go. Oh no, I, I'll no, no thanks you. I I don't need that cookie. Right. Because right. The, the holidays are upon there's us. There's a time so for feasting. There are parties and mm-hmm. gatherings and whatnot. Yeah, I believe so. This is the time for feasting. However, I do think about this a lot throughout the year, and so I saw a, a piece: seven easy food goals to improve your health. No. Oh. Without dieting, because I don't want to diet. I do. You know what? Dieting doesn't work. Making a change in your perspective or lifestyle is the only thing that really works. What about the new injectable? Oh, well, drugs? like some people have a clinical concern, a reason why they why they have to do that. And great, but I don't think that for widespread use that's going to be the recommended. Well, if route. you listen to or read the you know media, it feels as though like this is like the new miracle thing, right? Okay, now we, we know enough about life on this planet, right? It's it's not going to be that easy. There's going to be a there's going to be serious trade offs. Well, a couple things. I mean. Uh, if if you need to lose weight, this feels as though I mean, what's the the, the bariatric? Is this the new bariatric yeah, surgery? Yeah, uh, maybe. Right. Yeah. Because because bariatric surgery was sold as a miracle, mm-hmm. but the problem with bariatric surgery is uh, you've got to stay with it, or right. otherwise you, you know you break through all that, yes, right. and you're back to where you were right. with increased health problems. Right. So this new what are these what are these drugs called? Uh, Olympia. Ozempic. Ozempic. That you have to take this. Every day. You've got to shoot yourself, I believe, every day. You can never come off of this. Yeah. Which, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, holy smokes. People are taking drugs, you know, you, you know, everyone, high cholesterol mm-hmm. or blood pressure or whatever. I, I understand that. Right. That has minimal interference, I believe, in your body, in your body chemistry. But to do that every day, that's a whole other relationship I'm not quite sure a lot of people are ready for. Right. I agree. Okay. So, having said all that... The new diet changes, uh, things to get you started for a healthier lifestyle. Here's what they say. Focus on microbe-friendly foods. Microbe. Microbe enhancer diet. Add oats, beans, lentils, chickpeas, brown rice, quinoa, and, uh, quinoa. Gr- quinoa, and other whole grains as well as nuts, fruits, and vegetables to your meal plan. By eating a fiber-rich diet, you're not just feeding yourself but also your intestinal microbes, which new research shows effectively reduces your caloric intake. Really? By, by changing your intestinal microbes? Yep. The body appears to react differently to calories ingested from a high-fiber, whole food versus ultra-processed junk foods. Okay. Right. Makes perfect I, sense. I buy that. Right? I buy that. However, I do eat a regular diet of those things. Yeah. And, and it didn't keep me from eating the peppermint crinkle at 1245 a.m. <laughs> Wait, ah, a it was it was a? only one, oh. but that was before I had the orange pistachio. Because mm. here's the thing: when you're baking, you kind of have to see if you're on sure the right you track. Do. Of course, you do. Am I on the right track here? Or did I make right. a bad batch, or am I screwed up here somehow? At the top of the show, I just told you I sat down and ate literally six hot right. That's chocolate chip yeah, cookies. Yeah, no, right, no, right. Okay. Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Here's, <laughs> and so I'm the one who's giving you tips. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I like it. Cut back on packaged foods. Packaged foods yeah. like what, like Hostess? 
Yeah, like, um, industrial you, processing changes oh, yeah. the structure of, of foods. Course. You know that. Yes. I, as I'm eating this, right. I know yes. it, but it sure tastes yeah, good. Right. A Twinkie is not going to be good for you. A French bread pizza. Is not good for you. The the uh, Hot Pocket, mm-hmm. not an mm-hmm. appropriate choice. Not a Hot Pocket hot for a while. Experts say it can affect how much you eat and absorb, and um, it will add to chronic disease. Look for foods with just a few ingredients, like a, a bag of flash uh, frozen vegetables versus those with multiple ingredients and chemicals that you've never heard of. Next time you shop, choose foods with descriptors like minimally processed, okay. seasonally grass, oh, seasonal, grass-fed, okay. whole grain, and free range, pasture-raised. Pasture-raised. Or, 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 when I hear all those... I'm pasture-raised. <laughs> to me, that just kind of sounds like Expensive. Well, yeah, it does, all those right? things do equal expensive. I'm sorry to say. One study found that when people ate an ultra-processed diet, they consumed about 500 more calories a day. I believe no that. No doubt. Of course, I you do. I believe that. You're right? you're having a zinger. Like it's not going to satisfy not your calories. deepest needs. No. No. Okay. Eat more healthy carbs. They still make zingers. I'm sure they do. They probably sell thousands. Those are the red things with coconut on the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but that was delicious. I don't really like those. Okay. Yeah. Eat more healthy carbs. Instead of cutting carbs, focus on quality carbs. Okay, what are they? Start by eating more vegetables, whole grain, beans, and lentils. Add healthy fats and proteins like nuts, seeds, avocados, eggs, poultry, yep. yogurt, and seafood. Yeah. yeah. A lot of this stuff. I is, eat all that. You already know this. Right. Right? If you read enough or think enough and you <laughs> eat enough, you, you know this already. Right. This is just reinforcement. Eat like a centurion. Okay. Uh, certain foods are especially popular among people who live in blue zones, right. which are places in the world where people have exceptionally long life expectancies. <laughs> Again, eat beans. Right. This seems to be the thread here. Beans, olive oil. Peas, lentils, okay. legumes. Legumes. People throughout the blue zones tend to eat a variety of beans as well as other plant foods that are rich in fiber. You like kidney beans? You like chili? I like a kidney. Me too. I love chili. Me too. Oh my gosh, I want right. I want it right now. I mean, if, love chili. Like yesterday would have been a perfect chili day. Yes, Today, it would have been so a great. You know, no one in my family's behind me. They don't like chili. No, That's none a, of them. So I don't make it. Right. But I feel like I want to. Lex, you like chili? Mm-hmm. I love chili. Oh my chili. gosh, the three of us like chili. Yeah. Maybe after Christmas, I'll make chili a for pot the three of, chili. of us. Oh, hot pot. Bring it. I love it. And you know what I like it with? Hmm. A roll in butter. Oh, of course. You just got to dip that in. Or cornbread. Yeah, that's fine. Bring that. How about Wendy's chili? You ever have that? It's been uh, a long time. but I, I, I hear it's good. I used to eat it. How about eating park chili? Uh, I'd be happy to do that. Delicious. Is that, is that you have to go up to the salad bar and do that? No, you, know, you just you can order it. I mean, mm-hmm. it is at the salad bar, I think. Right. What's the, what's the um, the cookbook? Uh, the silver palate. Oh, the silver palate. My wife makes the silver palate okay. chili. That chili has Ooh. about thirty five ingredients in yeah, it. I've made that chili she too. She crushes. On yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Our kids won't eat it. We don't even care. Doesn't matter. No, we're just going to eat it. Eat smaller dinners. Because the way our internal clocks operate, our bodies are primed to digest and metabolize food early in the day. Listen, I could eat a tiny dinner, but then when nine o'clock comes upon me, right, you want I'm to need eating another, roofing shingles. Right. Another tiny dinner is what I mean, you're looking exactly. for. Exactly. Or three tiny dinners. Right. That's so you problem. should have your biggest meal at lunch. Is that what they're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what about those of us? Okay. So we're going to have our biggest meal at lunch, each one of us alone in our office. Take a nap. Boy, that's really, that's a lot of community yeah, building uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. 
And we'll go home and eat, what, a cracker with our spouse? Uh, I'll bring a pot of chili in okay. tomorrow. How about that? <laughs> Merry, nothing says Merry Christmas like a pot of chili. Okay, so the overall, they're saying add more spices, nuts, plants, and fermented foods to your diets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, fermented foods we haven't talked about. Fermented foods. So sauerkraut. Right. Kimchi. Uh, yogurt. Yogurt. Sauerkraut. Uh, kumbacha. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, reading this, it just seems like um, nuts and, and grains. Okay, eat your bread last. A strategy called meal sequencing mm-hmm. runs counter to the way many people often eat. How about we had that bread last week? <laughs> was that what incredible? Was that what was that Del Frisco. Del Frisco. First thing that hit the table was this ball of of salty warm buttery bread oh my oh my gosh, gosh. was uh, that incredible i think i thought and then they brought a second one which we also ate right and then they brought a third one and i was like no right and then they were like they came back and said sorry we made a mistake the third one's on the house you're like thank you we, no one touched it right Oh, my gosh. Oh, I took it home. Did you? Yeah. Oh, how was that leftover? Not as great. <laughs> but you still ate it. I, my husband did. <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel like, I mean, I that was, it was so incredible. Mm-hmm. I didn't deserve to eat it See, twice. Okay, so like at the Christmas meal, like rolls will show up? Yeah. I'm no, not interested. I'm not having a roll no, at Christmas neither am I. for the most no part. No way. No, because no, no there's just too many other items. No. Yeah. yeah. The roll? No. Mm-hmm. How about popping fresh? Okay, delicious. Christmas morning? A delicious, but again, super processed. Super processed. So that's no good. Well, one of our family traditions is like pop and fresh cinnamon rolls. Oh. Because like, the kids are like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do that. Remember the orange rolls? Oh, yes. Oh, were they delicious? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought they were, I mean, they are just delicious, but that's not good. So, so what do you have for, do you have like a little breakfast on um, Christmas morning? A yeah, little? we have a whole spread. We have what? quiche and a whole bunch of quiche, different quiche. quiches. My niece is Christmas in charge quiche. of that. Christmas quiche, uh, cranberry bread, zucchini bread. And a bowl of nuts. And she does a uh, delicious orange pull-apart bread. Does she though? That's yeah, her like, job. Mm-hmm. Her contribution yep. to the Christmas Mimosa, bounty. the whole thing. Mimosa? Yeah. I don't want alcohol like that. Right? Fine, Sure. I don't drink, you know, Champagne I don't drink and orange juice so. and then, uh, That's a delightful combination, but I'm... I mean, that's right. too much to bear. Sure, it is too much to bear. So you just have orange juice. Yeah, exactly. It's very nice. It's a very, very nice brunch. Oh, and bacon. What am I... <laughs> oh, yeah. Christmas is coming. Yeah. Okay, so the scale, the battle with the I'm scale... Just, I'm just not... I'm not mm-hmm. engaging with that until mm-hmm. after New Year's Eve. Thank you. That's good advice. I feel good about it. You never know when you're going to hear stories about chickens. So, uh, if <laughs> Wait, I need to back up. Yeah. What? Well, you know, in your reading, in your daily reading, right? Does that happen to you often? Once in a while, a chicken story comes up. So when it like does, regularly, though, like, <laughs> like look, look, hey, look, there's another chicken story. Well, you're like, uh, you like I am. You read wide and deep. I do. Right? I, I don't feel like chickens come across my screen at an really? inordinate rate. Well, that's why I'm saying okay. if they do come up, then you need to well, then you sort pay of indulge. Attention. Yeah. Okay. This is a story from Louisiana. Governor John Bell Edwards, who is the current governor of Louisiana. He sounds like he would be the governor of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He says that his chickens will remain in residence at the governor's mansion even after he leaves office in January. 
Governor uh, Edwards, Bell Edwards, intended to take the chickens with him back to his home in Amity at the end of his term, but he has decided to leave them after Governor-elect Jeff Landry asked to keep the said chickens during the tour of the mansion grounds, uh, Edwards has said to the press. When asked whether he will miss the chickens, Governor Edwards gave a characteristically pragmatic response. He said, yeah, but I'll get some more. Every now and then, you have to get new chickens anyway. This guy sounds like a guy who knows a okay. chicken or two, right? Yeah, right? The chickens and their coop are relatively recent additions at the governor's office in Louisiana. Edwards added them in 2016, shortly after he took office, paying for the coop and the hens out of his own pocket. The hens provide eggs for the first family. Sources close to the governor said Edwards is known to visit and feed the chickens okay. during particularly stressful days on the job. The official transition of poultry will take place on January the 8th. The chickens did not respond to multiple interview requests. Okay. So. Chickens are a thing. I'd love to have chickens. In your backyard? I think. See, here's the thing. I think I would, but I also know nothing about it. So I feel like I'm at risk of being one of those people that looks at something they've never done and thinks it's easy. I I wonder what your zoning is for your particular neighborhood, because chickens can be loud and dirty. Yeah. So one of our neighbors had chickens. Really? Mm-hmm. On the street you live in? Uh-huh. On. Yeah. So now I'm not saying that means they're legal, because they, maybe the reason that they, did, they don't have them anymore is because they weren't. Did they, how know. long were they there? Oh, a good year. Interesting. Did you hear them? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The rooster. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the problem. The rooster's the problem. Yes. The rooster it's is the problem. It's 5 o'clock in the morning, and right. the rooster's out there. Do you have to have a rooster? You don't have to have a rooster. I th- I think it's uh, I Wait, think it's, it's good it, to have a rooster. Do, what, what does he do? He helps out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what the hens call it. I, I, I think he does. I, I think his presence I there is necessary. I don't. I think his presence might be or overstated. Well, I think it might be overstated. Really? I think it might be. Hmm. Uh, um, I can't think of exactly the word I'm going for. In Unnecessary, this studi- maybe. Really? Yeah, maybe superfluous. Superfluous. The rooster. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, if you're, I mean, you're looking for eggs to eat, mm-hmm. so you don't want other chickens. Right. You're not looking for for Babies. chicks. Right. So Here the rooster baby. is loud mm-hmm. and can be aggressive. He rules the roost. I think maybe he keeps things in line. Well, what if he's not there? Maybe they form a committee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, we are showing our chicken ignorance. We sure right? are. There are people that that are out there right now They're going, like, you guys, look at these two idiots. Someone out there in Butler or Zealy right. or somewhere, or maybe somebody who lives in here in the city. Right. We have friends of ours who had chickens in um, Point Breeze. Of all okay. Places. Right. Um, in our neighborhood, I, I, I'm following along. Of course, I'm reading my chicken stories. Yeah. In our neighborhood, <laughs> right. chickens are allowed, but I have not heard or seen any in my neighborhood. What about if you guys get some and then we'll do a regular segment? No, because, you know, here's the thing. This is what I find interesting. You can rent chicken, a chicken and chicken coop for the season. Really? Yeah. The Including be- the coop? Yes. The coop is delivered to your house. Um in the beginning of the chicken season. Really? Mm-hmm. And then at the end, right? Okay, here's here's what I was thinking when I was talking about the rooster being superfluous. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that chickens, when left to their own devices, can, like, pick at each other. Uh, yeah. 
cause injury. You know, pick a little, talk a little. Okay. Pick a little, talk So Lex Senna says, do I need a rooster for hens to lay eggs? A rooster does serve a couple of useful purposes to the flock, which can be a good thing for the hens and keepers alike. However, egg laying is not one of them. He can be a magnificent sight with his full plumage glistening in the sun. Of course, he knows how stunning he is. So is it show? Maybe it's just show. I think that, I think you're right though. I think the chick, the rooster keeps the chickens in line, so they don't hurt, harm themselves. I think they harm each. They can harm each other. Yes, I bet they peck yeah. each other's. Yeah, peck your eye it can out. be really terrible what hens do to right. one another. But I do know that you can rent your own chicken coop and chickens. They what, come and we, they take them away. Could we do the ride home coop? I bet you could. What about you guys? What about if here in Green Tree or there's some free office space in the building? Does free range mean inside? Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon, and thanks for coming along for the 5 o'clock edition, the Wednesday show of The Ride Home. Uh, it is holiday week, and of course, uh, everyone is uh, hustling and bustling about, and uh, I hope that wherever you are right now, things are in order, and you have friends and family to be with as we lean into the Christmas holiday. Mm-hmm. Things are getting uh, down to the wire. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Lexi just confessed to me that she's a little behind in our uh, top-of-the-hour break. Shop- mm-hmm. And holiday shopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you? Uh, I'm going out to get some things when the show is over, mm-hmm. which c- could be ridiculous and me taking my life in my hands. But I just have a couple things that I still have to square away, so to speak. A couple of things. Just a couple of things. Okay. Like three gifts that I kind of would like to. All right. Are they bonus gifts? Yes. Okay. So it's not going to kill you. No, right, if right, I don't right, get right. it. Okay, good. But I kind of want to add a little something. Mm-hmm. Are you a tipper during the holidays? Yes. Mm-hmm. Who are you tipping? Uh the person who does my nails, mm-hmm. the person who does my hair. Mm-hmm. Good. Yes. I tip my paper boy. Okay. That's a mm-hmm. great idea. I need him. Right. I need that paper I to I don't show have up. a paper boy. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, listen to this. Um, uh, as you know, I have this hankering for space travel. And we're fortunate here in Pittsburgh because um, we have a company here uh, that is about to land something on the moon. The company's called Astrobotic. And after their first scheduled launch, Astrobotic, for Christmas Eve was canceled, Astrobotic has set a new date to send their lunar lander to the moon. Astrobotic announced yesterday that its peregrine lunar lander will launch on January 8th. The company said the lander completed all integration milestones and was mated with United Launch Alliance's Vulcan rocket payload adapter in November. Colorado-based United Launch Alliance will launch on January 8th from Cape Canaveral Space Force Station in Florida. The lander will take a month to travel to the moon before attempting its landing. Really? Now, this is weird because, I mean, the Apollo astronauts traveled to the moon in under three days. Yeah. But 
They're doing a lot of revolutions around the Earth and then a lot of revolutions around the moon to check things out. They're taking their time. Uh, Astrobotics CEO John Thornton, who has been a guest on our show, said landing on the moon surface, of course, is incredibly difficult, but he is confident that his team of 200 local Pittsburghers can accomplishment, accomplish it. Pittsburgh will act as mission control during the lander's journey through space and landing. Uh, Peregrine's launch will be Astrobotics first. The company was founded in 2007, operates out of a 47,000-square-foot facility on the north side. Uh, the company was awarded a $79 million contract from NASA to deliver scientific payload to the northern part of the moon. Now, if successful, which is a big if, Astrobotic will become the first commercial company to land a spacecraft on the lunar surface. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, did you say where they'll launch from? Uh, from Cape Canaveral okay. in Florida. Okay. Yep. Peregrine will start its self-propulsion system about 40 minutes after separating from the Vulcan rocket. From there, it points its solar panels toward the sun to charge and then starts cruising down towards the moon. The astrobotic team will orchestrate trajectory adjustment maneuvers in Earth orbit before it enters the moon's orbit. Peregrine will then stay in lunar orbit for an extended period of time to perform system checkouts. The lander is supposed to land on the moon's surface February 23rd. That's so cool. Wow. Is that exciting? Pittsburgh on the moon. I mean, Pittsburgh had a gigantic imprint on the Apollo program. I mean, Rockwell International, which is, you yeah. know, had a gigantic right. piece of work. As did Westinghouse. Yep. So we're back on the moon. Fabulous. Wow. Do you know where that facility is? That's a large facility. It's in over in Manchester, I believe. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You know, you know, down by the yeah, river. Yeah, I know the, Manchester. Yeah, forty-seven thousand square yeah, foot. Yeah, that's got to be pretty big. Yeah, there's also the museum, the Lunar Lander mm-hmm, Museum, which I haven't as well. been to. Neither have I. Yeah, uh, I felt so badly about that. I really, yeah, I really wanted to see that, yeah. and I haven't gotten to it you yet. You could have seen the Lunar Lander being built. Yeah, it's not big. Okay. Small, small robotic, but uh, it's going to do a job here. Wow, that's exciting. What about? Um, have you been to see that uh, beautiful nativity that they have at the Carnegie Museum? Oh yeah. The one inside? Yeah. Oh, it's fabulous. Yeah. But have you seen it this year? No. Okay. How about the one downtown? Haven't seen that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were right there. The week between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to be on vacation. Yes. So that week will be out and about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that would be a nice idea yeah, go to do that. And... The only thing is, if you're, if you're thinking that the week between Christmas and New Year's, you're going to go down to the uh, Christmas Village at PPG, it's gone. It's gone. So Christmas uh, Eve is the yeah, last day. Christmas Eve is the last day for have that. Have you been there? Not this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I haven't been down to the skating no. rink or any of that. No, neither have I. Mm-hmm. We're a little busy. It's, the problem is having a job. It really gets in the way of free time. <laughs> don't you think it does? Yeah. 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 And then the weekend they comes. They don't tell you that when you choose a career. No, no. You just need a job. Yeah. And then the weekend comes and you're too busy, like, you know, maintaining things. I, I always say to my kids, you know, maintenance is about 90% of work, of of works of life work. Yeah. Don't just, you think? Yeah. So so getting your laundry, ahead and improving your, right? your yes. bills, your all that well, stuff. Maintain, I, I've maintain, pro- maintain. I've proposed this on the air before and I, I think it's uh, it's worth restating that I think that we should get vacation days mm-hmm. and then I think all of us should get a week of maintenance time, mm-hmm. which is when I'm going to schedule the furnace repairman, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I'm going to paint the house or where I'm going to, you know, put new plumbing in myself. That that's not vacation. Those I are, think we know those aren't vacation. 
vacation days. But aren't those personal days? Personal days. Well, but we, I mean, our, our days are just days, right? Like my kid got a job, and he, so he is this combination of vacation slash personal days. Oh, okay. Which are also would, sick days. I would like them, right, that's the thing. I would like them to be labeled as maintenance days so that we all understand that we have to go, you know, I need to go stand in line at the bank during mm-hmm. that week. Or I need to take a maintenance day so that I can be sure I'm there so that the gas people can come and check the lines. Well, it's a new day in corporate America, so maybe you want to bring this up to management. Don't you guys think that's a great idea? I like, will stand... Lexi, say you decide to leave your apartment. You want to look for a new place to live. You would not want to do that. You would not have to take, you a wouldn't want to day. take a vacation day. You'd take a maintenance day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. You don't sound very excited about the maintenance day. She's a new employee, so she's you know walking the company line. I mean, yeah, I barely have enough days for myself. Yeah. Wait, when's your one year anniversary, Lex? Uh, It'll be in two weeks. All right. Okay. We have a little party. We'll blow it out. You go, girl. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. Get a little balloons. Mm -hmm. Okay. After the break, we come back. Um, Is your looming New Year? anxiety-producing or something that seems to have endless promise? Well, if you're on the anxiety side, you're not alone. Uh, God has all the grace we need, but how do we actually access that and make it a reality? That's next. It's the Ride Home. Christmas just a few days away, and of course, right behind Christmas is... New Year's. Oh, boy. New Year's Eve. This is the first time we've talked about New Year's. Yeah, we haven't discussed that. Right? Yeah, uh, we spent many New Year's Eves together. We have. We have. You're invited to this New Am Year's. I? Yes, of course. That's so nice We're of you, John. And pots and Are pans. you just saying that, though, because no. I brought it up on the radio? No, I brought it up to you yesterday. Oh, that's right. You did. You, you did. did mention it. You in, gave me a little look like, yeah, I'll get back well, to you. Well, because I, I wasn't sure after having you know all the people for Christmas right. Eve and Christmas Day. I want to make sure I'm still recovering, exa- alive and breathing, right, actually. Fine. Recovering, yeah. Right, yeah. Well, you're invited to New oh, Year's. Oh, that's nice. How do you feel about New Year's? Um, is this a black tie event? <laughs> no. Do I have to wear sparkles? No, you don't. Do I have no, to get a new dress? There's none of that. It's you okay. and our friends hanging out on my front porch, banging pots and pans at midnight. Okay. I've done that, and I enjoy that very much. I enjoy New Year's. I have never made a resolution. You've never made a resolution? Not a single time. I used to always make never. resolutions. Really? Never. You know why? Why? Because I can't stand failure. And all that is is setting your, your, yourself up for that. Wait, even at a young age, like as a teenager, Ex- you never made resolutions? At five. At what? five, I didn't want to do that. I was always making resolutions. Were you really? Yes, like thinking, okay, this is the year that I'm going to be the new me, right? And did you ever think- No, I was g- always I'm- the old me. Okay. It always sort of came back around again. And you never thought the next year, well, I'm not going to mm-hmm. make a resolution because no, look what happened last year. I still tried it. Because I'm always, I'm always optimistic at New Year's, okay. aren't you? I'm not necessarily pessimistic. I don't think I'm pessimistic. No, I'm optimistic. Okay, good. I am, but it's not going to include a resolution no matter what you tell me to do. Our next guest is Pastor Ronnie Martin. He's the lead pastor of Substance Church, director of Leader Renewal for Harbor Network, and author of several books, including The God Who Is With Us, a 25-day devotional for Advent. But uh, Ronnie wrote a piece that uh, appears in Christianity Today, Have Yourself a Less Scary Little Christmas. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, Ronnie. Yeah, uh, how do you look at New Year's? Yeah, are you optimistic? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm resonating with you guys. Like, it's, you know, the, the, the resolutions are great until January 2nd, right, when you kind of back out on all of them, right? So <laughs> it's, uh, it's a whole thing. It is a thing. Okay, so it's coming, though. 2024, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 it is anxious-inducing just looking ahead a little bit, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it is. I, you know, it's like I get really caught up in the Christmas spirit of things, but I think there's this underlying kind of anxiety knowing that, that New Year's is coming, it's looming. And there is that pressure that I'm supposed to become like the new man mm-hmm. on Jan 1, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, you did a little experimentation that you talk about in your piece, Have Yourself a Less Scary Little Christmas. Talk about that experiment. Well, you know, it's like, it's a funny thing because I think we can just lose our heads at this time of the year. And so I was just thinking, hey, what would be some things that I could try that might prepare me for for New Year's? So I came up with three things, which was to pause, to pray, and to play. And, And just to be able to incorporate a few of those elements into the end of the year and to see if it might just prepare me better for, um, you know, for what's ahead. Yeah. Okay, so by the time New Year's Eve comes around, after uh, Christmas and then post-Christmas, a lot of us are ready to pause. So we'll mm-hmm. talk about your pause and what you're anticipating in that pause. Well, so for me, like, I have to, I have to pause intentionally. So I know the cliche, and it's, not, it's a cliche for a reason, right? I, Christmas is the craziest time of the year, Ronnie. What, what are you giving us experiments? How does anybody have any time? But if, if we find a time just to shut everything down we find pockets where we can just shut everything down i think it really helps us get our mind around you know what what you know what is this holiday season and how it can actually help prepare us for the new year and and focus on the right things so pausing is big right find a pocket of time where you can just pull it back a little bit and not have any expect you know get rid of the expectations and get rid of the things that are kind of nagging at you and just just create some margin some open space that's good that's the first I was reading something the other day, Ronnie, about um, millennials and Gen Z. More than anything that they uh, detest is silence. That silence is a thing that creates anxiety. So, I mean, the idea of pausing is a very good thing, but it is not something that comes easy to a lot of people. Gen Z, millennial, boomers, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I'm Gen X, right? So I love, so I love that you fit right in by skipping over Gen X, <laughs> yeah. which is the of Gen X, right? Um, so I appreciate you did that. Um, but no, but it's so it's it's so true. I you know, so I I love this old British line that says a change is as good as a rest, mm-hmm. and so sometimes a pause just means doing something different, mm-hmm. you know. So I like that. Okay, so that pause, that type of pause, you said doing something different. What do you think that does for you? Like, how, how does what, what does that kind of do, do to or, yeah. your mind and and heart? Yeah, a reevaluate's a great word. You know, it just to do something different. Um, it actually puts your, I think, it puts your mind. It reframes your life a little bit. Um, it gets you out of a routine. It allows you to process what you've done and then what's ahead in kind of a fresh light. And, and, but we have to, I think we can only do that really well when we do an intentional pause. And again, a pause doesn't mean just sitting there staring at a wall and meditating. It, it can just be doing something outside of the normal routine. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So at the end of the year, you, you're going to pause. The, uh, the encouragement is for all of us to pause. And then within that pause, we find a thread, which is for us to pray. Talk about that. Yeah, and so, you know, ta- thinking about what I, how I like to encourage people to pray is I always, I bring it back to the way that my wife and I text each other. And so my wife and I, we just have a, a text, you know, a constant text thread. And it doesn't mean that we're texting each other every 17 seconds, mm-hmm. 
It just means that we're always kind of uh, aware of how the other person's doing, what's mm-hmm. going on in our lives. That, that's just our method. Yeah. But it, it allows us to kind of stay in each other's lives, you know, in a, in a very constant and consistent basis. Again, not because we don't trust each other. Um, it's just because we care about each other. And we, we want to be kind of, we want to be sort of in the mix of each other's lives. And, okay, prayer is a little bit different than that, right? There's a, but but in, in that sense, I like to think of praying without ceasing as just a constant conversation with the Lord. Yeah. And um, it's, a, it's a great time to be thinking of it in that sense where I'm just, I'm bringing everything before the Lord, right? Everything that's going on in my life in the present season, everything that's bothering me about the the new year that's coming and sort of developing this routine and this pattern of constantly rejoicing, uh, bringing everything before the Lord, making sure we're being thankful. But, but if I think of it in the way that I communicate with other people, like my wife, then it starts to humanize it. It doesn't feel like I'm just, you know, again, like, you know, a monk on top of a mountain, you know, praying and that's how I have to do this. Right. If you think of it as just a conversation between you and the Lord, um, I think it sort of, it it brings it back down to, you know, understanding our limitations and our humanness. And that's what God wants to bring to us. I like this an awful Mm -hmm. lot. Right. It makes a lot of sense because people do. I mean, (laughs) I I don't want to, you can over spiritualize prayer if that's a thing, right? It's so much so that you refuse to do it because it feels too difficult to do. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to pause, you're going to pray, and then you're going to set the springboard, which is the next step. Yeah, which is play. And, um, you know, this kind of, this kind of backs us, it kind of gets us back to almost the first one, which is pausing. And, um, you know, Christmas is so funny because, you know, you're in this season where it's supposed to be all this warmth and, you know, comfort and, you know, all these comforting traditions and nostalgia and um, you're supposed to have this, these enjoyable times. It ends up just being this rush that goes by in about 20 minutes. And one of the things we can do while we pause is we can find, we can put in, we can kind of insert intentional times of playing, just doing things that we enjoy, however frivolous. And I would say maybe sometimes the more frivolous, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it allows us just to enjoy God's blessings um, at a time when we feel like we're supposed to, but we just keep ourselves in this sort of this frame of mind where we're just constantly being rushed. And so, you know, getting together with friends, planning some fun things, and doing it as a way uh, to sort of get away from the, the regular routine, I think it's just super healthy. Yeah, That's good. I agree. Because if what happens to you is kind of a personal question, especially since this is the first time we've met, but what happens to you yeah. when you don't play enough? What do you get like? Well, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's the old line, right? All work, no play makes Johnny or Ronnie a dull boy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh um, I, you know, I think what happens is we, we begin to forget that God is in control of our lives. Um, we take ourselves too seriously, and we start to forget about our, our limitations. And it's good to have a good grasp, a good self-knowledge about our limitations. And I think just taking, taking times to play and enjoy ourselves, you know, it, more than anything else, it allows us to realize that like God doesn't just have work for us, but he has recreation for us. He has those those beautiful things, those fun things that he created for us so that we can do our work um, with a heart that's better postured um, towards, you know, honoring him in the, in the things that we do vocationally. And so I, I think it's just really important for us to actually take that seriously as a way to not take ourselves so seriously. And, but it's a discipline like anything else. You know, we got to work at it, ironically, at us, you know. 
We're talking with Ronnie Martin. He's the pastor at Substance Church, director of Leader Renewal for Harbor Network, author of several books, including his The God Who Is With Us, a 25-day devotional. Ronnie, okay, I mean, you're a pastor. I mean, uh, Christmas is is here. Uh, this is not necessarily a time for you to pause or, or to pray or to play. Of course, pray, but, you know, you've got a job to do, and it's a big job. People are counting on you. So, I mean, you're at work right now, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, we so, you know, we do an interesting thing at, at our church, which is with our staff and which is, hey, we, we take it down a couple of notches. So, um, it, of course, it's a busy time for everybody. But on the church side of things, um, I, you know, I'm just encouraging everybody, hey, you know what? Keep this month really loose. Keep it as light as you can. Break away from the normal schedule. We're going to some of our regular meetings. We're going to hit pause on those until January. Because I want everybody to be able to kind of proactively go after those three things and not see, you know, there's enough pressure in December without, without me adding to it, you know, from, from, from the, you know, the, from at a church level. And so we just, we just, I just try to do that. And again, that's a personality thing. That's a little more how I'm wired. I get that not everybody's wired that way. Um, but we, but I really try to like act those things out, put those things into practice I, I don't. I, I want everybody to go into the new year as refreshed as they can, rather than thinking I need a, a holiday after the holiday. You know, yeah. kind of a thing. Well, I'll tell you what. That's a very kind perspective, and on behalf of your employees and those who volunteer with you, I want to say thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I appreciate. No, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. That's good yeah, stuff, kind of gives us a little uh, something to shoot for for New Year's. Yeah. And Merry Christmas. I hope it's stress free. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for the for the combo. It was awesome. I loved it. Thanks. Yeah, listen, check out a book that Ronnie's written. It's You have five more days. It's The God Who Is With Us, a 25-day devotional for Advent. You have five days. Very nice. Ronnie Martin, he's yeah. a substance church. Take a quick break, come back. Uh, it's our daily feature. Does this make sense? That's next. make sense. Does what make sense? Eggnog. Now, I'm bringing it up. I already know that this is not a thing that you like. However, we both, within the last week, sampled a dessert that was made with eggnog. And I just want to ask you if you if it's time for you to reevaluate. No. No, um, I appreciate those who love the eggnog because it's a, a long-standing tradition. I mean, maybe thousands of years old. Maybe it just gags me. Really, and I'm not really that kind of guy who like. Uh, but there's something about the the texture of it <laughs> and knowing what it is. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want it near me. So we had that muffin. Yeah, or was that, no, it was, it was like, a muffin. It was like a um, yeah. It was like a muffin, and it had it was like a cream filled muffin. Yeah, and it had eggnog shot into the inside. Right. <laughs> right, but okay. So the texture had changed. It wasn't liquid. It was more like custard, right? Yes. It was like eggnog flavored custard, and that was is good. What it was. I liked it. I did too. Would I go out of my way to do that again? No. Okay. But like if someone said, hey, here, here, welcome to the party. We've made some fresh eggnog. Have yourself a cup. I will just walk right by there. Mm-hmm. I do not I have no interest at all. Okay. But but what about, but there's something about the flavor. It was good. The flavor of it that was okay. Yeah. 
I don't know. Is it a generational thing? No. No, it's not a generational thing. It spans the generation. So so eggnog just... I'm not doing it. No, and I have to be honest with you. I'm not doing it either. I don't think it makes sense either. It's really, really thick. Yeah. All right. Does this make sense? The star atop the Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. Now, our Christmas tree is in the in the living room, mm-hmm. and I'll sit there. Oh, it's there. not in the hall? Nope. Okay. And I'll sit there in my chair and look at that, and I love this star. It makes perfect sense to I, me. Yeah, it makes, I think it makes all the sense. It's become a thing that's like a prayer. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I've become acutely aware of it this year. Okay. And I love it. And, and I have saved past stars. I have my grandmother's star. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't work anymore. Okay. Which it did for a while, but you know, to rewire something like that, it's an impossibility. Right. But for people like us, it is. Yeah. But what it, people put stars and they I have put, a star from my mother-in-law. You do? do you, is uh, it on top of your tree? It is. Other people have they have Santa on top of their Here's tree. Here's the thing or, that know, I don't think makes sense: is the hmm. angel at the top of the tree. Really? Because the angels never look like how the Bible describes angels. They look like pretty girls. <laughs> that doesn't really seem like that's how the angels really are. Eggnog makes no sense no. to us. Stars Star, do. Yeah, I think so. So as we reflect on how things have gone in 2023, John. Oh, we've reached that stage. Well, I think that it's, you I'm know. I'm reflecting. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about reflecting. So oh. I'm not actually reflecting. Pre, pre-reflection period. <laughs> yeah, that's where I am right now. Because here's the thing. Before Christmas, it's about Christmas. A time to reflect. Then when you get post-Christmas and then into the new year, then I think the reflection is appropriate. Okay, so you're having 28 people at your house. <laughs> when will everyone leave? Uh, maybe the 27th? 27th? I they're going to so. be there 24, 25, 26, 27. Four days well, of hosting? they're probably not going to be there the whole time because there are, we have other family members that live here. It's just Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, everyone's going to be at days. my house. Yeah. Yeah. But there'll be a time whenever you close yeah. the door oh, yeah. and go, Whew. Right. And I'll... I'm done. Right. So now, I'm not sure that I'm going to be reflecting on 2023 at that point. But I'm just saying mm-hmm. that it's coming upon time to do that. So not only a personal thing, like how am I doing with my spiritual goals, my health goals, my you know balance of life and work, oh, all that so kind of stuff. And we all and I, I'm so filled with self-loathing about all of it. I'm just dissatisfied I'm, with it all. Anyway, maybe another question we need to ask ourselves is yeah. this. How often are we annoying our coworkers? No, that's assuming that you, you even have coworkers. Exactly. What if you're working from home? Right. Well, so you still have coworkers, and you might be much. Here, here's the premise. This is why I picked this story to talk about. I propose that if you are working alone at home, mm-hmm. you have the potential to be even more annoying oh. to your coworkers than if you're working with them in the same room. I bet. Because if you're working in the same room, you tend to know each other better, and I think you give each other a little more <laughs> latitude, a little more rope. <laughs> okay, when I think about this, how about when I annoy you when we were working at home and I couldn't get on? Uh... Oh, my gosh. Lexi! <laughs> I couldn't. And it would always be like, there's something wrong here. And what do I always say, Lexi? I say, there's a little, there's a little dial. 
I'm fi- I can't hear anything. Well, okay, if you turn it all the way to the left. The way can... I struggled to help him. Oh, my gosh. If you turn it all the way, it's one dial. No, no, it's right. It's, do you see that dial? I mean, I could, right. I could see you guys, like, in my turmoil. Your eyes were spinning in your head so hard. It was like the Ferris wheel. Uh, you were, like, so over me. And I was like, <laughs> so I was appalled. I know no, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's something wrong here. We were like, obviously. Meanwhile, you're live on the air. Oh, it was excellent. In a recent survey conducted by Digital ID, 3,500 people were asked about their biggest office pet peeves. Um, And the results revealed that certain habits, John, can apparently be irritating (laughs) in the workplace. (laughs) This article just highlights a few. Now, I would not even put these in my top five. Oh, these ones you're going to present. But. These 3,500 people did. Oh, really? Are you eager to hear what they are? Please, yes, yes. How many do you have? Uh, I only have four. Okay, good. These are the top four. Because I have a couple to share with you, like from past work experiences. (laughs) From yesterday, (laughs) Kathy. Okay, you ready? Yeah. TikTokers. Oh, who cares? Social media. uh, It's no no surprise that platforms like TikTok have made their way into the professional Mm -hmm. realm while capturing mundane moments might not bother your colleagues, mm. engaging in dance challenges mm. and lip sync battles in the middle of the office can be yeah. a distraction. Okay, I don't want that. Okay. I'm grateful that no one here is. No one here does that. Well, well, Lexi's TikToking, no. but she's not doing it like on company time, okay, and she's good. not asking us to be involved thank in a dance you, challenge. I want to take this moment to say thank that. you publicly. You're welcome. Uh, the next thing: office vapors. Oh. That's a thing? Yes. What? People are yes. walking around the I hospital. told you. Yes. That's a, we have a friend who has that problem in her office. Oh, oh, yes. oh, that's horrible. Yeah. The issue isn't the health risks associated with secondhand the smoke, smell. but rather the smell that comes from, oh my gosh. Some people are going into the office and just vaping, vaping like people used to smoke cigarettes 30 years ago. Get out. Isn't that gross? Big time. Okay. Now, listen to this. Cold water swimmers. What does that mean? Okay, those people who are into like the dip in icy water, you know, because it's going to promote your kind of jump charge your immune system. It's going to oh, right, give right. you extra cognitive acuity. It's going to do all those sorts of things. Well, in, for these 3,500 people, there are a lot of coworkers who are talking about this extreme habit on a daily basis. What? And it makes people who aren't as enthusiastic mm. about that sort of thing hate themselves and feel like their conventional morning routines are somehow less than. <laughs> right, right, right. It says it's important to be mindful of the interests and preferences of your colleagues and not let your habits create a division Thank you. between people, between like the healthy people and the non-healthy people. We have none of that. We don't I mean, the worst thing you're doing is wall sitting. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it was very hard today. Yeah. Very it? hard today. And, okay, here, here's, here's the last one. Okay. This, this one applies to Lexi, but not in a negative way. Okay, good. Always on... Gen Zers. Always on? Yes. So the younger generation of workers is known for their constant online presence. Oh, oh, oh. While this is praised by a lot of people, some people feel it blurs the line between work and personal life. So it's crucial for Gen Z workers to set boundaries and find a balance between their online presence and you know what they do at work. I've I've never had that problem with Lexi no, a no, single no, time. Never. But she is in that age group of people. She, she is, yeah. Lexi, do you know people who suffer in this way at work? 
Actually, no, I don't. Okay. Good. And that might be because I don't work with a lot of young people. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you guys are young at heart. Thank Just. you. <laughs> Thank you, Lex. Shut it, Lex. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, My see, bad. When you when you said someone who was always on, I took it as a guy who was like always like, you know. Oh, hey. Exactly. Right. Right? Right. right. <laughs> that kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> The guy is always on. Right. Right? Which well, that would thing? that would be much more annoying, actually, mm-hmm. than someone who's online all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, when I had my first job, yeah. um, I used to file my nails at my desk. Oh, oh, oh. See, well, no, this okay. was, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. I used to file my nails at my desk, and that they had to come to me and say that Stop they despised that. that. I used to work with a guy who used to clip his nails. Oh, that's horrible. It's much worse. He'd use a nail clipper. Oh, that's awful. And you hear him go, clip, 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 clip. And he did this all the time. I told you guys the story that my senior year of high school, my English teacher was clipping his nails during class while it was silent in the room. And everyone turned to him and he went, is there a problem? Mm, Yeah, there is a problem. (laughs) Yeah, clip your nails at home, dude. Please, sir. Yes, yes. Okay, but Why would anyone do that? That's horrible. You're filing your nails. It's it's in the neighborhood. That that seems better to me, but it's didn't. No. Seem better to the people who shared a room with me. They'd come to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, "What are were you, you doing?" Oh yeah, yeah terribly embarrassed. Yeah. But now you admit it on fifty thousand ones. Yeah, that's all right. Because right. now I've got, I'm over it. Yeah, that was a long time. It ago. It was a long time ago. Now mm-hmm. I don't do that. How about people who have stinky lunches? Oh, that's tough. Right. Hey, I brought anchovy paste to here's put my, on my sandwich. Here's my Braunschweiger, right? And then, <laughs> you know, what is that? There have been some. Unfortunate smells emanating from the kitchen here at Word FM. I've burnt a few things. You've burned French bread pizza. Couple, more, t- couple yeah, times. more than a couple. Why well, to get used to the new um, toaster oven? That was right. Well, that's after you broke the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, now listen. I broke that's the, not that's not an exaggeration. No, it isn't. Think. I broke the microwave because I was trying to clean it properly, and because it was disgusting. It was disgusting. Horrible. Like, what if people? Do, do you live like in a barn? I know. So I cleaned it. But apparently I cleaned it a little too well, and I got some water in some of the vents. And when I did that, of course, then the whole electrical system went on the fritz. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Anyway, I apologize. But that thing was ready to go anyway. Right. It really was. Right. It was a horrible mm-hmm. looking microwave now inside it's nice, and out. Isn't it? It's pretty now, and clean. I'm, Thanks, I'm glad you broke that darn thing. Me too. Holy smokes. Okay. Any other uh, things that you found over your uh, career that have really bothered you? Well, it all depends. Now, I have never, this is, I count this as a very fortunate thing. I have never in my life been in a cubicle. Oh. That I've had to work in a cubicle. Now, I know people spend their lives in sure, cubicles. Sure, yeah. I've course. always been fortunate enough to have like your own personal office space. Thank goodness. I really count that. But hearing loud, especially personal conversations, one-sided on the phone, is extremely annoying. Yeah, that right? is annoying. Especially if they're like, you know, family. Right. Like the guy's talking to his wife or his kids. All of a sudden, like I get anxious because you're getting caught up in family drama. Right. I don't want to do that. No. So that actually happened to you, where you yes, had a co-worker? often, often, and the, you know. So I had to go to my, you know, hey man, because then you're embarrassed, right? Would you please close your door? Because I don't want, you know. Oh, he's like, and he was like, you close your door. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay, sorry, <laughs> you know. At um, least you could close the door. I did. I've just eventually. Said, I mean, okay, the right. uh, the the story I told you about the filing of the nails that was in a cubicle farm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Lex, have you worked in a cube farm? I have not. Mm. That's a weird phrase. I I had I have not known that phrase until recently. Okay. A cubicle farm. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing of the past, do you think? 
with the pandemic and people working yeah, from I home? Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of people who who would have been working with cubes working in cubes would be working at home. I How bet can that it be is. That's a good thing. How can a cubicle be a good thing? Well, I mean, it's a space saver. I mean, but you have no privacy. No, it's you have no privacy. Horrible, just yeah. horrible. And p- when you when people get frustrated with you, it's palpable. You feel the emanation the from the cubicle. Yes, just you just feel it. Do you? That's really yes. interesting. Isn't it interesting how you can feel emotions even though yeah. they're far away? Yeah. And then you think, "Am I making it up?" But no, you're not. No, you can feel you it. You can just kind of feel that. I like that so much. That's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Emotions are really incredible that they travel distances. Yep. I mean, you, you like, know like it from your spouse. Like a physical thing. Right. Like when you and your spouse are unhappy with each other. Oh, isn't, isn't that horrible? I mean, it cuts. Have you heard Nate Bargatze talking about yes, that? I have, about how, yeah. When you have to walk through the hall? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> or when, <laughs> when you walk into the room and pick up the remote. Excuse me, ma'am. Are you watching this? <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. I'm not speaking to you, and I'm going to act like you're a distant stranger. Excuse me. Oh, my gosh. All right. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about a uh, nativity scene. Is it okay to interject current politics in a nativity? I don't know. Find out. It's the ride home. Have you ever been part of a uh, Christmas pageant as a child or even as an adult? <laughs> no, but I like them when there's like a live animal and a baby. Yeah, and yeah, Everything's, yeah. you know, things don't go according to plan. Yeah. The first time I was ever on stage was um, as a, um, I was supposed to be a donkey, but I was wearing a cow costume. <laughs> but it was so close you, enough. So you felt some dissonance? I, I felt fine. I, you know, and Mary was on my back. It was like kindergarten. Oh, you know? nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, growing up uh, in our neighborhood, the Mazay family did a live Christmas nativity in their picture window in their house where people would come from far and wide to see the family, you know, kneeling um that's all they did. They just, they knelt and people, you know, were they dressed up? They were dressed up as, you know, Mary and Joseph and the angels. Yeah. It was a beautiful sort of little tableau. Wait, they, what do you mean? People would walk into their house? No, 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 no. They had a picture window. And so from their yard or, you know, you, you park (laughs) your car and you could see them, you know, kneeling there. Really? Yeah. You never heard of this? Never. No. What? How many people have you known who did a tableau in their house? Well, this is the only one. <laughs> but, I mean, there have Wait, been live nativities. Okay, so they're they're kneeling. I have to understand this. They're kneeling, like, in their okay. living room, Wait, like, no, in wait. front of the console TV? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> There's a large picture window in their house. Okay. okay? I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure what window. Or, you know, was it the living room? I don't know. Large picture window. And they had drapes that were like a, you know, like a... Um, like a stage, almost. A, yeah, exactly. It was a tableau, right? And so, you know, it it is certain, like, you know, say 7 o'clock on a Thursday night, people would show up. and You knew this. It was kids. You knew that this was going to happen. Okay. And then the curtains would come back, and there would be the reveal of the creche. There's Joseph kneeling. There's the manger. There's Mary. And then there are angels. And it was just the family, the Mazay family. You know, I think there was four sisters and one son. 
and they created this little live tableau. And that's all it was. There was maybe some music that was piped in or something like that, if I remember. It was a long time ago, believe me. But it was a thing, and people traveled from far and wide to see this. I'm sure that this is not unusual. No, I think it is. No, I don't think it is. I think it is very I don't think it is. I think it's, you know, it's a... You know, a recreation. I like, I mean, I've seen tableaus before, but certainly never in anybody's house. Oh, this was their house. on uh, Yeah, this is in Swiss Elm Park. Yeah. Okay, now, well, let me just ask one other question. Yeah. Were they up high enough where you could see them, or were you kind of looking through the window <laughs> into there? I mean, like, the window isn't normally at floor level, so if you were gazing in... I can't speak to the specifics, okay. but I okay. just remember... No, maybe they were on a platform, Okay, and there was, you know, something... I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the Magnavox console was on behind them, and Bill Burns was on. I don't think that was happening. Well, that's what I was concerned no, about. No, I don't think so. You know, it wasn't somebody walking through with a bowl of chips. I don't think so. Okay. All right. I think it was a very specific intentionality of creating yeah. a living okay. tableau. Great. Right? Okay. I like it. No, I like it. I just Jeez. I didn't think I had to go into this as deeply as I did. <laughs> I thought I thought to me to me this was just kind of like a thing that like you Oh yeah, like a lot of people do it. I can't imagine no. this is not a thing. L- Lexi, have you ever heard about You've this? never heard of like a ever... live tableau? No, not at all. Yeah, thank you. I'm shocked never. by this. This is and part of my upbringing. No. Really? No. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> my story sort of goes far from this. But I re- there is a there is a um, crash in the West Bank that has become politicized because um, in the West Bank, of course, it's a pile of rubble. Right. So the pastor of the church in the West Bank has set the crash and the nativity scene Amidst a pile of rubble, that's uh, he's saying, this is what's happening in Palestine this year. This yeah. is happening in the Middle East. We want to be true to what's happening here. Jesus and Mary okay. and Joseph amidst the pile of rubble. Okay. I mean, if if uh, his name is Emmanuel, God with us. It doesn't matter where he is. It doesn't matter where you are. Right. He's with you. If but, you if you are a follower of his, he's with you. Is it a political statement? Well, that's Jesus the problem, there? right? I mean, I, I don't think it's. I mean, Je- I mean, Jesus was a refugee. Yes. Himself. I mean, his parents were afraid. Uh, there was uh, chaos at his mm-hmm. birth. Yeah. It was a less than sterile or uh, warm, cozy surrounding. Perhaps that's more real to the actual yeah, event of the day than, than the, the ones what we that we do have. Now yeah, I think in so. In someone's living room. I think so. I think um, my only concern with that is always that you're saying that Jesus is on this side, of this side a, of the earth of a conflict. Oh, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Right, yeah, is yeah. on this side of a conflict. God be with us. Right, us, us. Right. So Jesus is on our side. No, I, I don't take it as that. I yeah, take it as I don't take it as that either. Here, this time. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, I think it's that's the message of the season. Right? Is that despite life and throughout life, he's with you. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.